Welcome to tonight's Orient Hour on Phoenix FM with myself, Steve Nussbaum. And as always, I'm joined by my good friend, South Stand Chum, the bearded legend, the one and only, the daddy-o, Mr. Paul Levy. Thank you very much indeed. Good evening, everybody, and welcome back to a special Orient Hour this week. It's special because we're here, but we're not alone this week. No, we've got two very special guests, two very passionate Orient fans uh, with us tonight. Welcoming back Lee Boyce. Welcome, Lee. Evening, fellas. And making his first appearance on the Orient Hour, no nerves anticipated at all. Welcome, Mark Schaffer. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me. And no problem at all. So lots to talk about this evening. We're going to be talking Port Vale, Northampton, formations, transfers, your questions, and lots more. And the beauty of doing this live is that if you're listening live, you can interact with us on Twitter and on social media any way that you like. So if you've got anything you want said or any questions you want to ask, give us a tweet at the Orient Hour. So let's start off tonight's show by quickly summing up Port Vale. So we played Port Vale last Saturday. As you're listening, you'll all know that we lost the game 1-0. After the match, there were lots of very disappointed O's fans who, for the first time, were talking the R word. So let's get around the panel and quickly go through Port Vale. I don't think it was as bad as a lot of people said it was. Yeah, we, uh, yeah, we lost and... But, I mean, when you look at what the Port Vale people were tweeting and all that, they said it was their hardest game they've had all season at home. And they've lost one game. And uh, I thought we created a lot of chances. Their keeper pulled off some great saves. So, I think it was a bit unlucky there. I mean, we were quite unlucky. Marsh obviously has a great curling effort that is goal-bound that gets headed off the line. Um, to be fair, their keeper made a few good saves. But I just think it was the performance, maybe the formation, which we'll obviously come on to. And the squad didn't seem to captivate what Orient fans wanted to see. Yeah, I think if you're going to play with that type of formation away from home um, with, you know, um, James Brophy at um, left back um, and, you know, it's, uh, you know, and one, up, one up top away from home, then, you know, it is going to be quite difficult. Um, but saying that, I watched the game I thought that we played relatively well and, you know, I couldn't ask much more from the uh, boys. I thought that we'd done really, really well, considering we lost the game. It sounds very much, again, I wasn't there, Lee, so you'll correct me if I'm wrong, that it's, it's just, again, it's about being more clinical in both boxes. We've not stopped them and, and we've not taken our chances. Yeah, I mean, the goal, you see, the goal that they scored, it was another mistake, like player, I think it was, I think it was Cissé lost his man in, in around the box. And it was a good finish. It was it was a good finish from him. But uh, yeah, we're making these mistakes. I mean, Sarge saved us in the first 10, 15 seconds, like. But we're making mistakes, and yeah, we're not. I think going forward, we look frustrated. Like not, uh, we look afraid. We look like we're afraid to 
to lose games at the moment, sort of thing. And like I say, a bit of luck, couple of wins, I think that'll all change. But we're not getting smashed out of games. Do you think that when you say that, you know, is that down to confidence? Maybe players aren't as comfortable as what they should be playing out of positions. Maybe it's the run of defeats that they've had. Maybe it's down to all different issues. What, what's that down to? Yeah, I think watching it and looking back at it, I think you're looking at a confidence thing. Um, once we do get you know, the first win under our belts, then we'll go on a run. Um, you know, the boys are more, more, more than capable than um, moving up the table and, you know, putting a decent run together. I believe in them. Um, I think we've got a very, very good squad and it's going to take a win or two and we'll be right up there. I'm sure someone will correct me if I'm wrong, but I can't remember Orient taking the lead recently it always seems to be the first goal in a game seems to be against us and then we're left chasing the games and then you're left to make subs you're then left to make the formation I actually think if Orient scored the first goal in a game it would be so pivotal and you'd see such a different team once that goal went in so say if we against Newport on Saturday and we score on the fifth minute I think all the nerves around Brisbane Road suddenly evaporate You've got players who might not necessarily be looking for the ball, suddenly wanting the ball, and you might we could go on and smash someone potentially. Yeah. Paul, is, Paul is saying no. No, yeah, I, I can't you know, see it. I think if we try and get an early lead and take the ball by the horns and go one nil up, maybe try and grab a second goal, then you know the confidence will start flooding back. I think the first goal is always pivotal, but we need to go a goal down to start playing football again. Um, so let's start on Saturday um, try and get the early goal and try and take the game to Newport so just to round up Port Vale and I think you've touched upon it Lee but one man who probably came out with more you know, uh, honours than the other Sam Sargent made a few very good saves making that number one spot his own I think he thought he came out of that game really well yeah I think he, like the last few well, since he's come in I think he's done well Yeah, he's made a couple of mistakes but he looks a number one now. He's, I think, from when he was in the team a couple of years ago, he's really progressed. He's worked hard. He's taken his chance now, and and obviously he's, he's keeping the new fellow out at the moment. I think he deserves to stay for now. Yeah, I, I think a lot of people were quite harsh against Sam on uh, on on uh, Tuesday night when he played against Northampton. I think he just had a bit of an off day. Some of his kicking was was a lot to be desired, but based on one game where you know arguably we've drawn that game, the goal wasn't really his fault there was mistakes that led up to that point, person being in a position to be able to take that shot and, and score that goal so I, don't, I wouldn't really hold him accountable for that goal but yeah he makes mistakes unfortunately when you're a goalkeeper and you make mistakes it leads to goals it's especially not, at this level yeah. not, if, you, if you're not making mistakes at this level you ain't, you're playing higher you're playing higher yeah it doesn't happen so I think a few people have been quite harsh uh, towards Sam yeah the, um, the way I see it I think Sam Sargent um, you know he's coming when Dean Brill got injured I think he's done nothing wrong. Um, he's kept us in games. Um, okay, all right. You know we've you know we've lost by a goal or two, but I think his shot stopping, coming for crosses, um, demanding the six yard and eighteen yard box. I think he's been outstanding. So I can only say positive things about Sam Sargent um, signing Vigoru. Um, he's got to try and get that top. Um, off of Sargent because you know Sargent has done nothing wrong yeah I mean we've signed Lawrence like 
like it's been said before, we've not signed Lawrence Vigaru to come and sit on our bench. He's obviously clearly going to be there to push Sam Sargent because Dean Brill for the season is now done, effectively, with his injury. It's uh, it's not a speedy recovery. Um, he's healing well. I spoke to him Tuesday night. He's, he is healing well, and, and but it is a long, slow process for him. But Lawrence Vigaru, yeah, absolutely has not come to sit on the bench. And so at the moment, Sam, it's his shirt to lose. Yeah, definitely. So that's Port Vale rounded uh, moving on, and on Tuesday night we entertained Northampton Town in a game that will always be remembered for uh, the scuff, which we'll come on to. But before we come on to the scuff, what were the thoughts of everyone uh, on Tuesday night's game? Well, I think when the teams were announced and when the teams came out, um, we were looking at the formations and we were thinking, OK, 3-5-2... Four three three, and then when we saw the um, players warming up, we said, "Okay, this is going to be a three five two with um, Josh Coulson, Marvin um, at the back with Daniel Happy." Um, I think when you can look at a three five two, all right, it might work away from home, but when you are at home and you're looking to sort of stop the rot and you know, try and get your first, you know, win in quite a lot of games. I think it's like one win in 17. You've got to attack them. You've got to go 4-4-2. Four, four, so um, I was quite surprised to see um, Brophy play um, left back. Um, and, um, you know, with uh, Marsha right full back. But, you know, I think when, you know, you're at home, you're looking for your for your first win in quite a long time you've got to go 4-4-2 four, four, and you've got to attack them back to basics and kick on from there I guess it's fair to say the first half was slightly disappointing shall we say yeah it was quite frustrating it, it was quite frustrating and, and Northampton are a good side you know they've just come off the back of spanking I can't remember it was 4-1 and you know, the, more, the, you know they're scoring goals for fun they're a dangerous side you know Keith Curl is a good manager he's put a good team together Colin West is their one of their coaches Nicky um, Adams their number 10 was having a go all night he wasn't resting he really wanted to prove himself you know and they've got some very sort of big players who are quite aggravating and, and, and they're not just your sort of tall big centre backs they're the shovey and one of them actually sort of put his hands on Connor to, to get the height advantage to win a header. So he's literally using Connor as a pivot to, to get up. And, you know, all the usual sort of what the sort of tactics we've seen in non-league. They were just a gritty League Two side that came to get a win and try and grind out a result. So is that all Northampton Town are in comparison to Orient? Because obviously we are looking down the table with where we are. Northampton are looking up now. So they've got so, attacking so threat, but they're also strong at the back. And I think that's the difference is that uh, and the midfield work really hard to support both. Whereas at the moment, because the formation, I think that we're deploying, there's a little bit of a disjointedness to what we're trying to do. Whereas with them, they're playing a, a bit more of a flatter structure and it allows the midfield to go forward and support an attack and drop back and support the defence. So the defence aren't then being overrun by attackers. And that's probably why we teams have struggled to, to score many goals against them. I think I heard as well that... Uh most of their outfield players have all scored at one stage this season. Like they've got wow. goals coming from everywhere. So like you said, Paul, the midfield's pushing up, not just pushing up, supporting, they're scoring goals as well. Yeah. So that's the one thing. I mean, I know Wright's our top scorer. I mean, good few penalties, but we're not really getting goals from all over the pitch, sort of thing. Maguire drew, 
like I said, there's another one, but there's nothing else really coming. But like I said, Northampton, they're getting it from everywhere and they only scored one. Yeah, and that's what you need to do to be a successful team. I think we saw it last season. I think Colson got nine. Marv was all, was getting goals and it Dan was Happy all, chipped all, in. Yep. all positions of the pitch. But I think this season, like you said, when your central midfielder is your top goal scorer, so Wright's now top scorer on eight goals, I don't know how many penalties he's put away. It's probably at least four or five. So there's not much happening from open play. Obviously, Angle's got injured. I think Angle was on four and was doing well up until his injury. But since then, since he's been playing in that 4-3-3 as the lone man, to me, that does not suit Lee Angle. And I think his goal record in that formation speaks for itself, although he scored a penalty the other week. So you go, fair enough. But Connor Wilkinson, who has been fit and back in the team for a couple of weeks now, I don't think he's scored since he's been back. But then you could argue he's playing on the right-hand side. He's a centre-forward. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's where Conor Wilkinson likes to play. He likes to play on the right-hand side and cut in. Um, but I like to play football. But I don't play for Leighton Orient. So it doesn't matter where he likes to play. It's where he should play. I agree with you on that 100%. Um, but, you know, you've got to keep players happy. And if a player wants to play where he wants to play, then you've got to do it. To be fair, at Paul Val, he was playing on like the right side of the three, and he looked very effective out there. He was cutting in, like creating chances, running up play, well, running past players with ease. He looked like a natural, as if that was his natural position. I agree with you though, Steve. I don't think that's where he should be playing, but he did look natural on that position the other day. Uh, like I say he was getting balls in the box, but he never, no one scored from him. But I can see both sides of that, to be fair. And there's another frustration there is that we're getting more crosses in the box, but yeah. no one seems to be getting mm. on the end of any yeah. of them. No one's anticipating an overhit or a back post cross. The one thing I notice, especially at Port Vale, it's like everyone seems to be making the same run. It's, it's like they're all so desperate to get that ball over the line. They're mm. all making the run straight towards the line. So they're all coming in. So if the, if the keeper's getting a touch to it or the defender's getting like a little, little flick to it and it's dropping towards the edge of the area... There's no one holding back. Like four or five of them have all made that mm. same run into the six-yard mm. box. So I think that's a, one of the reasons why we're not scoring because I say no one's. I'm, I'm quite. I'm quite sure they're not practicing it that way on training ground. But again, that's just like on the game. They're sort of all desperate to get in and get that ball over the line. That they're losing their actual game plan and their actual uh, the, the structure that they should be playing in. Mm. Um, the way I see it is that you know we were putting in some great great balls. You know, to the um, uh, into the eighteen-yard box, into the six-yard box, but you know that happened when Matt Harold was taken off. Um, so you know, our big target man, in Matt Harold, was taken off, and uh, you know the dimension was was uh, you know gone really. So first half was coming to a close at 0-0. Northampton took the lead just before half-time. Decent finish. No chance for Sergeant Eiffel. I don't think Sergeant was getting anywhere near that. No, could, no, could the defence no have done slightly better? Yeah, it could always. There's mistakes that led up to that person being in that position yeah. in the first place. I was going to say, I don't know so much about the defence. The defence could have done better, but who was tracking the, the fellow as he ran through? When he picked that ball up in the centre, like, sort of centre of the pitch outside the box, he was standing on his own. So no, no player sh should be on their own standing in that position. So I don't know who, who was supposed to be tracking him to start with, but he, he lost them with ease. Yeah, I think, um, you know, footballers are human and they make mistakes. I don't think you can really blame 
anybody for the goal that was conceded on um, Tuesday night. All right, every goal conceded is a bad goal. But, you know, you can't blame Sam Sargent. Blame Cissé? Possibly not. It was a great finish and... Yeah, but I think just to cut in on you there, I think the problem is is that we're making too many mistakes and the, our, our issue is is that we're being punished every time we make a mistake yeah. and yeah. the problem that we've got in the other box is we're not punishing the opposition yeah, every right time they make yeah. a mistake. Well, yeah. Saying that, though, yeah. Paul, I mean, the last three games, I'd say the keeper has been probably the other team's man of the match. I, yeah. bet, I bet each of them keepers in the last three games, I bet that's the best game they have all season. Mm -hmm. Some of the saves they've pulled off oh, yeah. in the last three games. So like you said, we get every mistake we're making, we're getting punished for. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We're having some great shots at chances at the other end and they're pulling off well saves. I say it's a good point. Thank you to Daniel Gold for tweeting us live as it stands. He says the last Orient home win was back on the 12th of October. So considering we're now in January, that's a long time to go without a home win. Yeah. Regardless of where you are. Do you know and what? I've actually got that, that um, stat. Stat uh, all. Yeah, I've actually got it here. So our last home win was three months ago against Walsall. That feels like well, it was, but yeah. that does feel like Such a long, a long time. time ago. Great game though. Yeah. I missed the second goal. I you went did. for the toilet. Yeah. <laughs> Pratt. <laughs> so you know the and three, that, and that just adds to the desperation of, of the fact and the, pre and the crowd yeah. pressure when you're playing oh, yeah, in front of, of five, yeah, five of and a half thousand. Well, you look at the way like, like the other day we come out and absolutely dreadful in the first half, mm. and it took a goal to to wake us up. And I think yeah. that's the thing we're coming out now, so desperate not to lose this game or to lose a game that. We're forgetting the basics. We're over-pressuring over ourselves, making mistakes, getting punished. And then all of a sudden, the pressure's off. We're 1-0 down. And then we go out and play football and show what we actually can do. I mean, you can't be a bad side to, to play as well as we did in that second half and in some of the halves we've played. Mm. But then how can you go from the extreme of the first half to how good we were yeah. in the second? Yeah. It well, just doesn't make sense, well, does let's it? Talk, well, let's talk about the second half because you've mentioned it. It's almost like a yeah. different team in the second half why essentially uh, why did it take the second half for Orient to uh, essentially wake up against a team who we know are one of the best teams in League 2 I think you know changing the formation was a big bold decision by Ross he had to do it because he, was, he wasn't getting anything out of that 3-5-2 not at all the players looked scared the players looked frightened and they lost their identity when we went back or when we changed to a 4-4-2 um, Jordan Maguire drew um, come onto the pitch we looked a completely different team with rule up front um, and the last 15-20 minutes we could have won the game 2-3-1 uh, but I really think he has to go for his 4-4-2 he cannot stick to a 3-5-2 or a 4-3-3 I think we've said that a couple of times on the on the pod recently. I mean, I know I have, but I think the players we've got, the wingers we've got in terms of you need to let your brophies and your JMDs out. And they might not, especially JMD might not support back, but if he's doing the business up top, then he can fall to, if he scores two goals, then no one's going to forget about the chance where he may have left his man. But for me, I think it, the players we've got suit a 4-4-2. Definitely, 100%. I think they do if they're fit, but again, like I said, with the left back. So, what we were saying earlier on about playing Judd there, another player out of position, you play Happy there, he's out of position. While Widowson's uh, injured, we, we've got a lot of players that have been injured and are playing out of position. So, I get what you're saying, but I think I think sometimes he's tried to 
fit players in their positions as best as possible rather than play people out of position. It's a question we were going to ask later, but we did get a question about Jaden Sweeney. Saying Sweeney's on the bench, he's a left back. You've had Ogie, who now has gone on loan to Dover. Would it would it have been right of Ross to maybe throw these young players in, at least give them a chance? So I I, I would have sent Sweeney out on loan and kept Ogie at the club because Ogie's a bit more developed and a bit more advanced. I liked what I saw against South End of him. He kept their man very very quiet on the right. Their man tried and huffed and he puffed, and Ogie good. had him in his pocket the whole game. He didn't let him get past. He tried to nutmeg him. He closed his legs. He tried to go round him. He ran faster. Anything their man tried to do, I'd be inclined to to, to give Shadow a, a chance. I don't think it would damage his confidence uh, on, on one game. I think actually it would probably help him see where he needs to be if he isn't quite there because I don't think playing players out of position is, is necessarily the right thing to do. Players want to play and they'll always say, I'll play wherever the manager puts me. But arguably, that's just that's just media chat. They want to play in their favourite positions. It's their favourite positions for a reason. It's because they can be the most effective there. And if you're going to put a, sh- um, if you're going to put a Shadrach on the bench, a Shadrach's good enough to play. Otherwise, don't have him on the bench. You are not going to bring on Jaden Sweeney, so don't put Jaden Sweeney on the bench other than to give him match day experience of of being in the dugout and understanding what it's like with a big crowd behind you. But you know, we we need to win football matches. We can't we can't be doing that. We need to be winning football matches. And for me, I'd have a left back at left back. I have a right back at right back. Centre backs are centre backs. A left sided centre back at left sided centre back, and a right footed centre back at right centre, and just play people in their natural positions there's got to be a reason for um Jaden Sweeney and Shadrach or Shadrach going out on loan and not starting Orient matches um there's also got to be a reason for Jaden Sweeney being on the bench and not starting games um learning send him out to get some match experience bring him back he will be a bigger and better um with more games under his belt Giving Jaden game time, I've seen Jaden play, and you know he has been fantastic in that in that left fullback. Um, he's got everything about him. I looked at the bench and I looked at the team on Tuesday, and I, and I was thinking to myself, why wasn't Jaden starting? Is he League Two ready though? Given how young and inexperienced and how few matches he's actually played, is he League Two I ready? I don't think he's ready, but. He is a left back who has who's maybe played maybe six to eight games of football. I think he would have done okay out there on Tuesday night. I would have given him a chance. Not against it. I can't agree against the Northampton side who are in the playoffs pushing. I think what you've got to remember, with the, they're two young lads. With Shadrack, I'd say he's probably gone out on loan now because they rate him higher than Jaden. He's come into the Orient's Academy 18 months ago and he was a centre-half when he came in. They've converted him to a left-back, so it's not like he's played there regular. But the one thing, you've got two young boys, I suppose what he's also worried about is how much cover they're going to get from the left from the left winger or left midfield or whatever. Is uh, JMD or Brophy going to give him the necessary cover to Probably help not. him? Like, and, mm. and I suppose that's a, that's a concern as well because you don't want a, a young kid going out there being isolated, get, like getting a torrid time from a, a good winger and uh, it kills his confidence. Yeah. I guess you could put it down to bad luck in terms of Brill gets injured, Sargent's ready to step up. Centre-backs, you've got Happy, Coulson, Marv, so you've got three in two spaces. Right-back, you've got Judd, you've got Ling, Turley, so you've got three who can really play there. In the one position where you've only really got one, 
he gets injured mm. and this is where it stems from so it's a tough one to call it's a tough one to call I mean, like, well if sorry Steve but if you went ended up with Sergeant in goal Judd Happy Marv it's fun. and uh, Jaden or Shadrach then I'll have a young back four it's a very young back yeah, four and right. an experienced yeah. back four as well they've not played games is, is it, like I say with Turley getting injured and Ling being injured uh, Sergeant now being in goal there, there's a good chance that could be a, that could be the back four and all of a sudden you're, you're, isolated, you're leaving that left back open for a lot of criticism sort of thing or, or toy time yeah it's, it's not it's too young to, to have yeah, that sort of line as they say the luck of the Orient <laughs> because nothing ever runs smooth at our football club <laughs> well there was a bit of luck in the 84th minute as he always got what I think we can all agree was pretty much deserved as we were awarded a penalty <clears throat> upstep Josh Ryan and to be fair he got a lot of criticism for his performance in this game, but I don't think he could have taken that penalty any better in terms of... No, but, I don't think any yeah. keeper was getting to that penalty. No, he's, he's caught the inside of the post. Uh, the keeper guessed the right way, but he's, he's caught the inside of the post. I actually had a heart failure for a split second after he kicked it, thinking it was going wide. Could you imagine if that had gone oh wide? Oh, my God. What would have yeah. happened? The absolute <laughs> meltdown. Yeah. The absolute melt. The ultimate meltdown. I was standing with Ross um, when we got the last ditch penalty. Um... Uh, when we were our last home game uh, yeah, versus uh, Grimsby and Ross couldn't look um, on Tuesday night I was actually upstairs in the stands watching the penalty and um, you know the relief was you know it was like a massive weight was off our shoulders um, but you know getting on to Josh Wright I think you know he is a leader and he has to uh, be first choice on that sheet because of his leadership skills. I think he's, you know, what I've been told, he's very good in the dressing room and he talks a lot on the pitch and I think that he, all right, people say, oh, Josh Wright, he doesn't do this, doesn't do that. But when you need somebody on the trenches and when you need somebody there to pull you through, Josh Wright is there. Well, he done well, and you can only commend him for taking the penalty. But in the aftermath of the penalty, we were analysing this before the game, and I was all ready to go and have a bit of a go at Dayton because I initially thought it was a very stupid thing to do because their man had already put his arms around JMD, who uh, he wrestled him to the floor. He pushed JMD to the floor. JMD was down. Apparently, they out. were having words before the penalty was taken. These two, they were having words before the penalty was taken. So then they've both rushed to get the ball after because Jaden's probably saying, well, I'm going to get there first. We're going to restart the game. And their guy's probably saying, well, no, you're not because I'm going to get there first. And, and so basically their man's then wrestled JMD to the floor. Dayton's come running over. Ruel's come running over. And Dayton's come to placate the guy. And there's been some pushing from Ruel. And the guy's gone backwards. And Dayton's holding on to him to try and stop him, the, the defender from doing something stupid. And... Dates has gone over on top of him. I, I, I took the footage. So before the show, Paul went ultra, ultra slow-mo oh. and it does appear that yeah. Dayton is actually pushed by an oncoming Satoru and it, it appears that he does rugby tackle the guy. But if you slow-mo it down and actually look, James Dayton's quite unlucky because he just gets a nudge, loses his balance, takes his man out and he yeah. gets a red card for... He's tried to be the good not, guy and ended up getting a red card for his... Good, for his you know, for not the, not the first efforts. time in his career, he's been wrongly sent off. You could, the question you is, did the club say. appeal it? Yeah. I actually uh, tweeted James after the game, and I said, "Great rugby uh, tackle dates. I thought it was really, really good. Uh, you'll be getting a call from uh, Saracens." <laughs> sure, he appreciated that one. So after that, c should we have gone on to win the game? Oh, definitely. I mean, we had the chances. Oh yeah, 100%. it was all us. 
Even before the penalty, it was all us. I've never seen an onslaught like it. They sat back and allowed us to come on. You had J&D running at them, Dayton, Brophy. Everybody, uh, Josh Wright was pushing forwards. Usise was coming up the pitch. Marsh was coming up the pitch. It was very, very, very strong. Very strong performance. But again, you know, it's late in the game. We should be doing this much earlier in the game, putting them under that pressure and putting them on the back foot to have to come at us for us to then be able to counter-attack, not the other way around. Do you know what? I actually looked at my uh, watch and I think it took us about the last 15, 20 minutes to start get going. And when we started to get going, I was thinking, you know, this is very, very good. This is excellent. We can go and win this game of football. When we got the penalty, changed the dynamics, and eight yeah. minutes of uh, a long time. I think yeah, that shows, doesn't it? Yeah. it yeah. That when we are on, on top of our game, yeah. we can match enough every every team in this league. Mm. But we're not doing it for ninety minutes. Uh, I, I mean, I don't know how, how they're going to get them to do that. Well, I'm not a manager, but mm. it's, we've definitely got the players and the uh, right attitude at, at times to, to match everyone in this league. That, that fight at the end, that, that melee that took place, it, it does show me that they all care for each other, that they are in it for each other, that they do yeah. want to fight for the club and, and to do better than what we're doing. So there's obviously, you know, I don't know what's going on that's not making them come out with that fight or that passion or that determination from the very first minute, like you say, that we should be pushing our game onto other people, especially at home, that we should be pushing our game onto them and not letting them play their game. What happens away from home, different kettle of fish, but at least we should be taking charge of things at, at, at home. But do you think that's because we start in one formation, go behind, have to make two subs, attacking subs or three subs as it was on Tuesday, and then the onus changes? Yeah. Yeah, it's taking for us to go a goal behind. I mean, that happened right on the stroke of half time. If we can get in at half time at nil nil, it's a very different, yeah, of course. very different ball game. But the fact that happened two or three minutes before half time changes the half time team talk. And then what he's going to do at sixty minutes? Us was always going to come off because he's only played two or three games this season. But it's the other changes that have really helped impact I uh, think, the rest of that. I think with that formation, you're hoping for a nil nil, getting nil nil, and we will change it with. 20, 30 minutes to go um, and try and nick a goal. As the home team, is that the right philosophy to have, to try, if that is, I'm not saying it is, but is that the right philosophy to try and get to 70 minutes at nil-nil and then change the formation in the last 20 and have a go? That to me, that isn't, I don't want to see that from my team. I'd rather lose and go for it. It's definitely not the right philosophy, but I think a lot of that, or most of it's down to confidence. I think, like I said earlier, I think we're so worried about going behind, about losing these games, that we are starting off negative. Like, uh, yeah, it's not, I mean, like I said before, I think Ross said a couple of times when he's picked his team, we've got a team here that can match the opposition. Well, we shouldn't be matching the opposition. Like, we should be dictating it and they should be coming to us. Like, if we're going to go out and win games. I think it's a bit naive on, on Ross's part as a young manager. But again, like I said with the players, I just feel that it's a confidence thing. And if a couple of wins could change all that. I mean, we see how it was early in the season leading up to the Grimsby game. How all of a sudden in four games, our whole outlook seemed to change. And I think we could go back to that, but we need that little bit of luck that we ain't getting at the moment. So the match finished in a draw. I think at half time we would have taken a point. I think I'd have taken a point at, before the game started, to be honest, so against against them and have a good go at Newport for me. So a decent a decent point yeah. to build on. Ultimately, yeah, we've not lost. We've shown fight, we've shown passion, we've shown determination. I mean, the ref has had an absolutely appalling game. We haven't mentioned him yet. Failed to book their guy for the handball. Uh, 
sent off Dayton. All right, I can see why he sent James Dayton off. Allow, uh, finally booked their goalkeeper for time wasting after uh, very late into the game after he'd done numerous amounts of minutes of time wasting. Just some of the stuff he was letting them get away with and, uh, and giving them free kicks for when against us, but then when it was on us, uh, allow play to go on. Uh, just the level of inconsistencies and his answers to Ross, which Ross said post-match about the fact that he, it was a lot going on and he couldn't see about for the handball and whatnot, but it's nonsense. And, and it's kind of National League level officiating. Okay. okay, bad ref. So off oh, the pitch again. then, I guess we're all expecting some incoming players. I think we were pretty certain. I mean, Mark, you spoke to Mr. Teague on Tuesday yeah, night. I um, had a very interesting conversation with Ken on um, Tuesday. Um, very, very positive. Uh, four players are coming in. Um, one is a striker, a left back and a right back and possibly another attacking midfielder. So there's good things to come. So you mentioned your striker. We're being heavily linked with John Akinde this evening. We don't think that will happen, <sighs> but not to say that it won't. We don't think it will. If he did sign, good signing. Is that the type of player you want to be looking at as a striker? I think it's a very, very good signing. Um, his track record at Barnet was, you know, I think it was like 80-odd goals. Well, you know, when he was at the football club. Um, okay, all about he's, he's like 30 years old. I think it'll be a great investment. Because um, they're after a lot of money for him. They are after a lot of money. And he's probably I, on a lot of money as yeah, well, isn't he? Yeah, so. yeah. Um, you know, if the, if, if the club does want to invest, then, you know, the, the, you know, the, the, the fee that has been going around... Um, that I've been hearing 150 grand, that they want 170 grand. Okay, you, you know, if John Akinde can do well for Orient in, okay, with a two year contract and, you know, get some goals this season, push on for next season, I think it's a very, very, very good investment. I, I personally don't think it will happen. No. But if it did, I think the excitement that would generate would co mm. have a completely different outlook. If we announce Akinde tomorrow, right? Saturday, it would be buzzing. If we go and announce a loan striker from a premiership club who no one's ever heard of, some 20-year-old kid, you ain't going to get that excitement. Yeah, I agree. I Yeah, I agree with that, Steve. Um, you know, if we do bring the big name like John Akinde, um, you know, everybody will be buzzing. But if you're going to bring a kid in from, I don't know, say from West Ham or from, um, you know, Reading, then it will be a little bit downbeat. I did see that Simeon Jackson has signed for Stevenage. That's a very good signing for Stevenage. He, 32 years old. 32. Yeah. It's a bit of a risk, but if he gets some of the goals that keeps him up, that's no risk at all. But what you just said there, though, Steve, we're getting this, this Twitter rumours, like every player that's being, <laughs> being, being sort of uh, linked with us, and then like, everyone's talking about Akindi. Akindi ain't coming. There's a guest not beat around the bush. John Akindi is not coming to Orient, right? And like you said, so if we sign an online player, nah, everyone's going to be going, oh, we should have signed this, we should have signed... All this, <laughs> yeah. all this hype that's going around these players, I know everyone wants to see a, a, a player come in, but when we do sign a player, they're saying, oh, no, no, it's not good enough, it's not good enough. I just think like people should not take too much notice of what some ex-agent says on Twitter. Like. Yeah, it was the same when... Um 
Billy Clark was signed by uh, Grimsby. Everyone's like, we should be signing yeah. this 32-year-old guy who's not played games in three years, and he's a brilliant player. Why aren't we setting our aspirations at that sort of level? And here, here we are, everyone sort of going crazy for John Akindi. C- complete polar. Yeah, yeah. there's also when um, uh, James Hansen was released by Grimsby Town. Oh, you know, Leighton should be going after yeah. James Hansen. But hold on a minute, he's a 32-year-old player. Yeah, same, same as Simon Cox. He's got yeah. Australia. But yeah. he was, oh, let's get Simon Cox in the door. George <laughs> Alexander. It's like every single player. Mm. And then, like I said, when we finally sign someone, it's going to be, well, we ain't good enough. Of course, <laughs> course it is. Of course it is. I know, That's but, you, know, it's, you know, it's the Orient way, Lee, you know. So There's been um, a bit of recent criticism of the board, I think it's fair to say. Some fans are having a pop at Travis and Teague. Do you guys think that is... Uh, Relevant? Do you think that's deserved criticism? Do you think it's absolutely outrageous that people are criticising Teague and Travis? First time, really, I would say since their takeover that they have been criticised and are open to criticism. Obviously, Nigel put out the video trying to g the fans up and said, "Look, we are actually we're not just sitting here doing nothing," which I thought was a good video. Or I've seen that criticised, um, Mr. Chef. Yeah, I think in all walks of life, people do make mistakes. Um, Ken. Nigel and Martin have come into some real bad, you know, they're coming to some heavy criticism from quite a lot of people. These people saved our football club. That's the first thing that we've got to think about. Um, You know, when we were down and on the floor, kicked to death with just a slight pulse, they come in and saved us. So we've got to be thankful. Have they made mistakes? Yes. Um, We're all human and we learn from them. Sorry, I was just going to say, uh, I think Nigel come out earlier in the month over the the Voss Embleton thing, because like, I mean, I was one of them, but everyone was moaning about like nothing, what was the update and all that. I think he come out and admitted that they hadn't played played it really well, the way they dealt with the Voss Embleton uh, appointment. Uh, it was nice to know, because like I said, a lot of people were moaning about that, and uh, it was nice to know that he put his hands up and, and sort of said that, yeah, we haven't done that well. They're not. They're not above criticism, but then there's criticism, and it's just pure ridiculous. Yeah. Oh, I've seen some old Money. nonsense about going back to how the previous owners and why don't uh, you know why don't they just sell up and and, and move? I mean, it's just yeah. the levels of crazy stupidity amongst the fan base and what people are actually prepared to to attach their name to. It's ridiculous. I mean, let's not forget uh, we were dead and buried until they came in. Yeah. Uh, we had no hope, no future, and they've come in. We've revived the club. We're only three years into that now, and it's it's going to take a lot longer before we're actually probably punching at the weight that we probably are suited to. Do you know the ironic thing that I keep saying to people, Paul, is if we finish 20th this season, we've still progressed. That is still part of the progression. We're a year ahead of getting out of the National League. We finish 20th. If we finish 20th and we finish 18th next year, that's not progression. But this Mm. season, staying up is progression. So what more can you ask of them? Yeah, they've made mistakes. They're learning as they're going along. None of them, none of them owned a football club before. Martin Ling's never done that job before. So they're all learning this job as they're going along, the highs and the lows. I think they've played it right so far in terms of, obviously, what happened in the summer happened. No one was prepared for that. No. You get promoted. You keep faith yeah. in the team that you had. You make two or three signings and you try and take it forward. Some of those players are good enough for League Two. Some aren't. But you couldn't... You couldn't drop those players before the season started. Imagine if you would have brought in 2% new centre-backs and you're not playing Happy and Coulson. Everyone would be livid, saying you're not giving Josh a chance. So they've given those players a chance. It's worked out for some, not so much for others. I do think now is a big 
challenge, I think, for Nigel and Ken. I think if anyone thinks Kent's here to watch two football matches this week and not be doing anything else, it's probably very silly. Kent is obviously here to try and finalise some deals and give some money behind it. We know Nigel's here next week because he's doing a fans, meet the fans. So they are here because they are going to be here to finance signings, obviously, right? And and exactly, and Nigel really put himself around the ground on uh, on on Tuesday. He didn't make it to sorry, Kent. I beg your pardon. Um, you know, apart from the supporters club after the game, he was everywhere, talking to fans, engaging, and and giving not just sort of one word answers, like proper proper explanations about the thinking and why and the safety net gone and the, what we're trying to do to rectify the situation. Because as Nigel said in his um, in his video message the other day, it, where we are isn't acceptable. The expectation of us is actually much higher up. The league um so where you know we're, we're far we're far below where where the board expect us to be so therefore signings will be supported uh this 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 um this transfer window and people are starting to get a bit itchy now because we're on the 23rd of the month there's only eight days left for the window um and so people are a bit itchy why haven't we done our business when you see the likes of Salford signing two or three players and this one side getting a load out and, and a load in and and we think well hold on we we've gone a little bit a bit stale i think it's going to be a very busy week at the club, a very busy week. If you, if Kent is to be believed with his talk to Mark, there's four players coming, and some might be going out as well. We've not even spoken about players going out. If four are coming in, you've got to think at least one or two may be going out. We've obviously seen Gorman go out on loan, Alabi go out on loan, which wasn't a surprise to anyone. But maybe there's someone or another two, maybe leaving the club, maybe on loan, maybe on permanent. No idea. So quite a few questions came in. So we'll do a few questions. Mark, anything you want to round up on there? You um, like you were taking breath to speak. I don't know. Players going out. I've heard a, um, a few whispers about Louis Dennis going to uh, Bromley on loan. I don't think it's going to happen. Um, no, that's not So, happen. you know, we have to wait and see. Yeah, Louis you know, De- We've Louis- got to believe in what Kent's saying and we've got to believe that um, you know, uh, four players will be coming in. I think it will be a very, very, uh, you know, hectic week looming on our football club. We hope so. We love a signing. We love a signing. A good signing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so lots of questions in. We'll do our best to ask most of them if we haven't covered them. So we've lots of questions about formation. Do we? you hope we have seen the last of the 5-3-2? Personally, yes. I want it to be 4-4-2. That's all I want. Ross, just start 4-4-2 on Saturday, mate. Yeah, yeah. why not? Yeah, no, I'm 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 four four two. I think we need to get a bit of flat structure in us. Everybody knows that when you start in a four four two, what your roles are, where you're meant to be positionally, when you're offensive and when you're defensive. I think it just takes a lot of the stress of people being played out of position as well. Yeah, I think four four two. As I said, it's going back to basics, and it's also trying to find some identity as well. We've lost our our identity um, the last uh, two months. Mm. Um, so I think going back to four four two, playing decent attacking football. Um, James Brophy one side, Jordan Maguire drew on the other side, and two up top and just um, attack them. Good answers. Got a question about Satoru. Yeah. Saying, is it unfair if we sign a striker on Raw Satoru? Obviously, he's on the bench at the moment. We think he's <coughs> probably fourth choice. Win everyone's fit behind Angle, Wilkinson, and Harold. If a striker did come in, you would presume a striker is coming in to start and not to sit Depends. on the bench. Depends if they're a young Possibly. Premier League prospect, then they'll probably be on the bench. But I thought Raw came on and did very well on Tuesday night. Really? In in the short time that he was on the pitch, he was really head up, looking to shoot a goal, making runs, and really getting stuck in. 
I think that's Dan Tessitorio to what you just said there, Paul. He's doing it in, in patches. It's Dan to him to sort of implement himself yeah. from, the, from the whole game and push himself up that pecking order. Yeah. I don't think it's like a case of bringing someone in to replace him. It's to challenge him and to challenge all the others. If two do start on Saturday, I'll quickly reflect Saturday. If two start on Saturday and if Anne Goal is injured, who are you front to? I would start with Raw and Wilkinson. I would start with Rule and Connor Wilkinson. I agree with you, but I think it will be Wilkinson and Harold that will start again. That's who I think he'll go with, but that's not my preferred <sighs> that's choice. That's not a bad show, actually, because Harold seems to have a bit of a different impact off the yeah. bench a bit later on. Yeah. Yeah. And he's, you know, with an hour gone and you see him out busting onto the pitch and you know what you're getting, he's going to put those... Elbows and limbs everywhere. Under yeah. pressure, he's going to... The ball's going to come in the box. Yeah, not not bad shot, Lee. Yeah, well, I mean, I think uh, Satorio would probably play well off Harold, to be fair. Whether they'll drop Wilkinson or move Wilkinson out to the right, I don't know. But, yeah, I'd like to see Harold and Satorio have a go. Mm. It's interesting. Make for an interesting yeah. dynamic, actually. Yeah, I think there's definitely a player in rule. Um, <clears throat> he needs that big guy up front with him. Yeah to uh, play off of him I think there's goals in Real Sotero but he's very very young I would throw him into the mix on Saturday and start him you see I'm not seeing him much but the goal against Colchester was just a tap in but then you want those kind of strikers who are just lurking around the box and against Newport it was a good little header he seems like a exactly. bit of a nigg- niggly horrible little forward to play against and yeah. if you're a 30 mid 30s defender experienced League 2 defender we all might be looking at him going do you know what I can do you for pacey I think we'll have you today. yeah and it's that young whippersnapper that's just mm. Purely yeah. laser focused on 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 the back of the net and making yeah. sure the ball goes there. The exuberance of youth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and I and I don't think I think he'll probably get kicked lumps out of by a few League Two defenders. I think he'll have to learn quite hard and quite fast that that's probably what's well, going to happen to him. See the other day what you were saying the other day uh, earlier on about the Dayton thing. He pushed the fella. Now, really, he could have gone for that. He pushed the. Fella. You see, you see him push. Ruel, yeah, yeah. So I mean, he's got to keep his uh, his little temper going under control. Right, yeah, absolutely, well. absolutely. I think when you look at Rule, I think for the age Rule is, I think he's a you know he's got a good size, he's a stocky, you know he's got a good physique, and I think that he can grow into himself. I can see a very very good player. He's got to be given more games. He's got to be given a starting place on Saturday. So yeah, another question we had come in was about Sam Sargent. Yep. So obviously the question about Sargent is. Following his performance against Port Vale, it was pretty evident that he wasn't going to be dropped for the Northampton game. Northampton game, probably not as assured as what he was against Port Vale. We've discussed it. Uh, there was a chance where he kicked it straight to one of their players who in at the post. Is it time? And we've kind of already touched upon it. Do you expect Sargent to retain his place on Saturday? Or do you go, right, Vigoru, here's your chance. Go for it. What, just because of a few dodgy kicks? No. So you sick with Sergeant Saturday? Hundred percent. Sergeant has yeah. been commanding in the six in the, in the six yard box, eighteen yard box. He's pulled off some really really good saves. You cannot blame Sam Sergeant for for the goals conceded. He has played really really well um, since Brill's been injured. So keep Sam Sergeant in. I'm a, oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, one, his t- kicking was poor the other night. But one thing Sergeant has brought to us like many times, he starts moves off with his kicking. He'll, he'll hit a player the other side, the other end of the pitch, and start a move off. Yeah, he didn't do it the other day. We, we know that, but whatever that reason. But yeah, you can't start dropping players who, who are playing well. 
Yeah, okay, good point. Yeah, no, absolutely. Like we said earlier, Vigaru hasn't come to, to, to sit on the bench, but that's up to, to Vigaru now to, to push Sam Sargent. And it's Sam Sargent's shirt to lose. And absolutely, you can't just take the guy out just because there's another guy that's come to play and not sit on the bench, yeah. But it's, that's good. That's what I want to be hearing as of an Orient fan. You've got yeah. two good goalkeepers. Who do you play as opposed to, we ain't got a left back? I think Sam could be more commanding. I, I, it's just a distinction of our goalkeepers. The only one that we ever had that did that was Eldin Yakupovic that absolutely commanded the box. He was just a different gravy and he's obviously gone on to bigger and better things. But there are, there, you know, and that's of recent time. I'm not going to go back 20, 30 years because I can't remember. But, you know, the likes of Paul Hield and, and, and all that. But, Ultimately, but he's a young guy developing his game. He's not particularly vocal. Um, And I think if a goalkeeper can come out and command the six-yard box better, it means his defenders are three or four yards further out, which means they're not as deep, which means that we can then push up the pitch a little bit easier. And a goalkeeper makes a hell of a lot of difference in those situations. Yeah, of course it does. We've got a question uh, saying, does the panel think that another tribute to Justin at this Saturday's game is wise, as this could be upsetting for the players before the game? Why don't the club have a special friendly match against Tottenham and have that as a final tribute to the legend? Newport have already had a tribute match earlier in the season, but we must move on as it must be affecting the players. Oh, I agree. I think uh, the top, like I said, we've done the one at Newport. The Tottenham having a game against Tottenham would be good if the rumours are true about the stand naming and all that. Possibly if they're going to do it Saturday, but you can't keep having the tributes. Love him. To, we all love him to bits. We'll all forever be thankful for him but you've got to move on at times you can't keep having tributes I think the players are still clearly affected as you would be because it's not even been six months but obviously we were lucky enough to go to that gala dinner and you see Coulson on the telly getting interviewed McEnough getting interviewed Dayton and they still although they've spoken about it a lot they still can barely get through an interview without literally breaking down and I guess the worry from that question is if Coulson is lining up as your centre-back on Saturday, and I presume there'll be a, a, an applause of some sort beforehand, when he's doing that applause, he's, that man, he's going to have feelings and emotions and adrenaline running through his body, as all of the 11 will. But does that put you mentally in the right frame of mind when you're about to play a, a huge game of football for a valuable three points? It can go two ways. It can galvanise the boys... And it can go the other way, where adrenaline and emotions take over and everything goes out the window. Um, you know, the grieving, the grieving process is, you know, it's very, very difficult. Um, I know that they saw Justin as a father figure and, you know, they loved him as a person. They loved him as a gaffer. They've done the tributes and, you know, maybe it is time to move on for the players, for the fans, and maybe the football club. There's a lot of um, inspirational quotes and pictures around the, the, the dressing room, so he'll always be forever in their thoughts. He's very front and centre. Um, and I think, uh, you know, for, for the club to, if, if that rumour is right about the, the, the stand name, I think that's, that's absolutely amazing. And, and, you know, it shows you just how well he was thought of in such a short space of time. No one's really had that sort of impact. It usually takes years and years and years for, for someone to do that so it's absolutely touching but you know maybe the questioner has has a point it, it's so front and centre um, right before kickoff for a game of football which arguably in the grand scheme of it is secondary to, to someone's memorial but um, yeah possibly possibly it is um, possibly mean, a bit too much maybe something to do on a Sunday for example or 
or at the end of the season, for example, or, or, or like you say, just, just doing a sort of post-season friendly with Tottenham or Newport or mm. someone, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's sure to be an emotional day, um, whatever, and I'm sure whatever the club do have planned, it will be something that does the Edinburgh family Absolutely. very 100%. proud. He deserves everything. On. He yeah. does deserve everything. He does, yeah. 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 And, you know, it's uh, it's even tough talking about it now, and I bet I only met him a few times, and it it affected me like nothing else really yeah um you know it, it, it affected me um i was in in an indian restaurant with my family when i got the news and i broke down crying like a baby well, when you said before there's 20 of us in my water and we done the same thing yeah right, went know. straight to the ground picked a couple of my um close friends up went to the ground stood there and just emotions took over and it was it was it was it was horrible but this is the way we're talking about it right and we're getting emotional in this room about it yeah we didn't yeah. know we didn't know the guy we didn't work yeah. for him no. i met so, him once so, steve so ima- imagine what i met him once when my son was a mascot when he was one years old and, and imagine what it must be like yeah. if you would yeah. spend every day with him and for people like yeah. joby who have yeah. said best manager i've ever had yeah. it, it's you can't even think about the effect that is having on on someone's mind and then they have to go and do their job for 90 minutes which is a high pressured environment um just to finish then, we got Newport preview. Um, let's start. What formation do you expect for the Newport game? It's probably going to be 3-5-2. Probably a 3-5-2 formation, I would imagine. Um, from my point of view, um, I can't see Ross really changing it. Um, I would like to see the 4-4-2. I know we get quite hung up on formations and whatnot, but... Um, yeah, I think I think we've already discussed this at, at sort of some length this evening. But I think a four-four-two with obviously Marsh at right back and uh, and uh, um, Josh uh, no Brophy. I think will be at left back really? again. Yeah. So Mark Schaffer making his Orient Hour debut. He's done his homework. Okay, the way that I would go would be Marsh right back. Let's start with keeper first. I okay. think we mentioned okay. it before. Okay, so okay, think. okay. So Sam Sargent, um, George Marsh, Moles Judd, Josh Coulson. Daniel Happy. And so that's that's your back four, that yeah? That's my back four. So you've got Marshall right back, the two centre-backs, Happy and Coulson. And who you got left back? Sorry, Judd. Um, Miles Judd. Miles Judd at left back. But of course, you know, we're not the manager, we're not no, the of coaches. So Healthy it's, discussion. It's just fans. So I would go JMD um, on the right with um, Cissé right and James Brophy on the left. And I would play Wilkinson and rule up front. Decent little team. Attacking four four two. Anyone disagree? Anyone no, I think want to throw anyone else in the mix? Judd at left back's a bit suspect to me, but he's a full back. I'd have him at right back and happy at left back because then you've got a left foot at left back and a right foot at right back. I think Judge played there before as well, wasn't he? I mean, again, you square pegs round holes in it, but yeah, I think Judge. I don't know. He can do the job there. I think it's going to be a tough game either way. I think Newport earlier in the season, we took the lead early on and then we kind of sat back and they came back at us and, yeah. and nicked their goal to make it one. Or Arguably, they could have nicked it at the end to win 2-1. Um, Newport, four unbeaten. Brilliant. Um, two draws and two wins. Um, so they've got a bit of form coming into the game against... Uh, Unfortunately. And exile Tristan Abrahams will return yeah, to Brisbane. Right? He will, and actually get to play a game <laughs> if he's not injured. <laughs> He'll do all right. He'll yeah. do all right. Um, normally, we don't do this on our own podcast, <laughs> but 
I'll go around and I'll score predictions. In our WhatsApp group, I actually got the score right on Tuesday, so I'm on a bit of a hot streak. So, Ooh. Mr. Boyce, I'll start with you, mate. I'll, I'll, I'll. Oh, we're going to win. <laughs> yes. We're going to win. 3-1. Three, three three oh, wow, okay. I think it would be a one-all draw. Oh, you said That's what I was going to say. That's you going to say, yeah. I'm going 15 nil to Orient. No, 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 no. Um, I'll go... I, I think we'll nick it 1-0. Okay. Hope so. I, so. Think it, I, I think it probably will be quite a tight game. I think the lessons learned from Tuesday night will, will play into mm. what Ross is thinking for, for Saturday. So I think he'll choose his formation and his team very, very carefully. Do you know what? I'd love to see 4 4 2. And you know what? I'd love to just see us go at them early and just yeah. pound them for 15 minutes and just real have a go at them as opposed to a 3 5 2 or 4 3 3 and, and not go at it. I just want to see him go for it. And I think Ross is he's gaining that confidence all the time. I think he's going to, like I said before, I'd rather seen the board, the board do it, uh, back him a bit more uh, with the players coming in a bit earlier. Oh, do you know what I'd like to see as well? And I've got to throw this out here. I know I'm nearly finished. Go on, Lee. I'd like to see him get his own backroom staffing. What if he's already got his own backroom staffing? I, I still don't think he's got an assistant man. They haven't named Danny no. Webber as assistant manager. I think I, I, there could be movement and maybe bring an experienced number two agree, in. Agree. Do you yeah, really? Yeah. That's an interesting. Yeah, very interesting. I didn't think about that. I didn't think They've about not, that either. Danny Webber and Joby have not been named as number two. They're still on the coaching staff. Yeah. He doesn't have an assistant. He has a coaching team. He does not have an assistant manager. What way to end it here? Leaving all Orient fans thinking about who could the assistant manager well, be? Well, as, as we literally got just literally just a very short period of time, just very quickly on that then, someone noticed, someone that sits in the, in the West Stand noticed that Ross doesn't really engage or communicate I particularly. That, I said that on Twitter and I said that to Ross last time. I mean, he did answer it, not convinced. I don't see no, I don't see the, 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 the togetherness that, that they had with Justin. I think, I think, I think he's going to get someone else in. So you think someone more experienced as well? Yes. Yeah, okay. That's very interesting. Mark? Um, the way that I see it, I think Ross's interaction is second to none. Um, okay, that's interesting. Yeah, he, you know, like where I sit, I sit right next to the dugout. So I see him geeing the boys on. I see him interacting with the players really, really well. Um, but, you know, people have got different opinions. It's not only my opinion. There's four and a half thousand Orient fans that sit and watch games um, on the Saturday, on the Tuesday. But I think Ross's interaction is quite strong, and you know, I, 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 I can't, I, I can't see much wrong with it from where I, I think, sit. I think it's fair to say we're all pretty much pro Ross Embleton in this room and think he's yeah. the man to kind of lead Orient forward. So we talked about opinions. If you've got one, let us know at the Orient Hour. It's time to wrap it up now. So thank you to myself, Stan Chum, being a legend. Thank you. For to to mine. Thank Mr. you very Levy. much. Mr. Boyce. Thank you, fellas. Well Thank done. Mr. Schaff on his Orient Hour, I was about to say podcast, on his Orient Hour <laughs> debut. Well done, Schaff. Uh, we hope you've enjoyed it. Next week on the Orient Hour, it returns as normal. Phoenix FM next Thursday. Billy Herring and company presenting that one, so make sure you get listening. But until then, let's hope they are talking about two victories. And have a great week. And up the O's.
is Phoenix FM. On the hour across Brentwood.